it's just a shame that they had relatively scruffy races, but it being Mercedes and them being quite good at, at making the best out of a bad situation, they still maximise their results. So I think they'll leave the weekend bitter, but fairly happy. F1 Circus rolled into the city of Lombardy this week for the Italian Grand Prix at the Temple of Speed track in Monza. Tune in as we discuss the ins and outs of the weekend, including whether Mercedes maximised points on a track that doesn't benefit the W14. And of course, Lewis Hamilton and George Russell's new contracts. Join me, Valve Baines, on this episode of the Silver Arrows podcast as we discuss all the main talking points from the Italian Grand Prix. to help us do all of that we have f1 journalist adam williams hello adam hello we also have our in-house f1 tech head tom fletcher hello tom hopefully elaborate more than adam's hello there tom yeah hi there uh, it's good to be back it feels like a, a long time um over the summer break but yeah it's it's finally it's good it's a good thing to have the racing back and and let, let's let's continue for the rest of the year and hopefully bring a bring Mercedes back into this. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Adam, hope you're taking notes on uh, that's how you do an introduction from Tom. All right. As always, we'll get to race day shortly, but as normal, we'll work our way through the weekend, starting with Friday. And uh, Adam, you mentioned the best feeling in the car was in the first lap, which Ad- which uh, Hamilton said in FP1. I did mention that. Um, and yeah, he, he seemed to start off on, on a decent footing. Um, I understand with more out, with more downforce, uh, which obviously helps through the corners. But there are many high speed sections. This is Italy. This is Monza, the theatre of speed. So lots of cars with skinny rear wings to to get through the air, cut through the air that little bit quicker. Um, and it's the sort of track that Mercedes have struggled at this year and would expect to struggle at. I know that that in Spa, Belgium. That was a, a track where the car didn't quite perform. So Mercedes fans would have been heading into the weekend knowing that they that their drivers probably wouldn't be challenging for podiums or, well, would they be challenging for the win? Ah, it's, it's difficult, but anyway, yeah, they knew it would be tough. Yeah, nat- naturally with a, a circuit like Monza, you're looking to cut as much drag out the car as possible. Uh, you know, you would have noticed that all of the teams are running really, really skinny rear wings, massively noticeably different from from a visual aspect. Um, but also another funny little point is that I did notice that most of the teams had taken off the little windscreens in front of the the drivers' uh, steering wheels. That normally, I don't know, I don't know what that does to maybe deflect stones or stop some some air in entering the uh, the cockpit. But they're really taking as much unnecessary drag out of the car as possible. I actually found out what that, that did um, at the weekend. So it's to help with airflow so that the air doesn't get underneath the driver's helmet and kind of lift their neck up because it can be quite uncomfortable. But from what I understand, Lewis hadn't been using it for a while. He's got like a, something to help like attach to the helmet instead. And I imagine a lot of drivers went that way. Um, People tend to follow what Lewis Hamilton does. Well, yeah, I learned something new every day. That's that's thanks for sharing that. That's that's awesome. Um, so yeah, I'd, yeah. Normally they have like a little flick on the back of the helmet, don't they, or something like that. Um, but yeah, that's that's really cool. Um, 
yeah, so bring it back to Monza. Um, it's it's always a trade-off um, between having a higher downforce setup and a, um, a lesser downforce setup to, to, to reduce the drag and help your straight line speed. And at Monza, that's really important. Um, so basically what the teams will do, you'll see this quite a lot, is they'll run one car with a much lower downforce setup than another car. And what they're doing is trying to find out the the, the sweet spot between the two and whether the, their simulations tie up with the data that they're getting and their lap time that they're getting. Um, the thing is with, with higher downforce is just, you're trying to protect the tires in, in long runs. So the race pace is really dependent on downforce. And a lot of people ask me, um, even engineers at where I work, um, how does downforce protect tires? So I'm going to try and explain this. The, the easiest way to think about this is if you grab a pen, with sorry a pencil with a with a rubber on the end of it um, and you press that down into the table with the rubber facing downwards um, the that now you can generate two forces quite easily you've got um, a vertical load which is pressing the pencil into the table squashing the rubber and you can generate a lateral load which is sliding the the pencil across the table you notice when you slide it you start getting balls of rubber come off and that's key to this so the harder I press down on, with my vertical load, the harder it is to push the, ta- the pencil across the, the surface of the table. That protects the tire. Whereas if I'm putting a lesser force down, I can now slide the pencil across the table and I'm damaging the tires. And that's the key to this. So um, by increasing the lateral load, you're effectively protecting the tire. You're stopping it from sliding. So then your management pace is faster than. A, a slightly lower downforce setup, um, which is then impacting on your your longer runs. You can let you can make the tires last longer, and all of that then feeds into where you go with the downforce. Um, it does get a bit more complicated um, in in looking at how you bias the the balance. So, for example, if you've got more if you're putting more downforce on the car, but you have a more dominant axle, you're going to do more damage to that tire because you're now putting more lateral um, vertical load on that tire and you're pressing it across or scrubbing it across the circuit. So it's a, it's a very fine balancing act between the two, but uh, Mercedes opting to, to run the higher downforce setup on, on Lewis, or maybe that was Lewis's decision um, through Friday. It really didn't work for them in terms of one lap pace or even i think they noticed that it wasn't even going to work out uh in in the race pace um so yeah reverting back or moving towards his um uh russell setup for um for for fp3 i don't know if you saw there tom but uh when you mentioned the pencil adam and i were, were scrambling around where we are trying try to find a pencil just so we can uh do what you just did there but yeah such a great explanation thank you so much for that tom yeah, it's 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 good to visualize visualize what's going on. Really, um, I find it helps. And please feel free to try it at home. Um, it, it will help, I think, with with everyone's understanding. I imagine also, Tom, that the high track temperature would have made this even more of an effect. I think it was mid forties, uh, the temperature. Yeah. So basically, what that what that's doing is moving the tires into the higher end of the temperature window. So. If you think about rubber, once you start getting it hot, it starts to break away easier. So you're starting to to degrade the tire. 
um, because the, the temperature is now higher. Um, so yeah, that's that's what's going on there. Who doesn't love tire talk on the Silver Arrows podcast? So moving on to FP2, uh, Tom, what happened in that session? In FP1, there was a lot of, uh, Mercedes was doing a lot of laps on the harder tire um, because of the, the uh, alternative tire um, allowance that the teams were taking, they've effectively, they've taken two softs away from them. Um, so that they're, they're having to be really careful with what they use and um, and how they space that out over the weekend. Um, so in FP1, uh, Mercedes were, were spending a lot of time on the on the hard tire, then moving into FP2 um, to see uh, how the how the mediums would would come into play, uh, and then saving the the softs for then um, uh, FP3. But the thing is that it was very difficult to read what was happening because lots of teams were running different tires at different points. Mercedes didn't run the soft until the Saturday. Um, so it, it was very difficult to read and we couldn't, you couldn't really tell what was what the ins and outs of, of everything that was happening here. Other than the fact that um, um, Hamilton was running far too much downforce and was struggling in straight line speed compared to Russell. Tom, do you think that the fact in hindsight now, uh, which is of course a beautiful thing, um, do you think that the fact that Mercedes weren't running the softs on Friday meant that they had a disadvantage come qualifying three, which we'll discuss in a minute, I'm sure, uh, because they didn't quite have the data for the soft tires, and we know how Mercedes are so good at learning overnight for Saturday. Um, possibly. Um, but I don't think they had, particularly with Lewis anyway, they just didn't have the right setup for him. Um, so they wouldn't have learned too much uh, at all, really, um, in terms of the balance, how it feels on the soft. So choosing to save that for the, for the Saturday was probably a good idea. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Dear. Let's move on to FP3 then, Adam. So yeah, like Tom said, they, the team used the softs in that session. Yeah, and it was looking more promising with Lewis third and George sixth, I believe. Um, 
as as I just mentioned, Mercedes do tend to get better overnight on uh, from Friday to Saturday, and I think it was something like 10 p.m. Lewis was leaving the track, signing a man's leg, um, amongst other things I saw on social media. Um, don't you just love the Italian fans? Uh, but but yeah, in, in three practice three, it, it did look a little bit more representative as as to where Mercedes stood. Probably the third fastest team over the weekend. Maybe Albon getting in in there at, at times, as we saw. But but yeah, that probably showed their true pace of, over one lap, especially um, and foreshadowed what was to come. Uh, except the order was fairly fairly different. Well, except the order swap between the two drivers, Hamilton and George. Yeah, I just would like to pick up on a point of how maybe, again, we couldn't really read into FP3, um, mainly because of track evolution and, and the times that, that Mercedes started to do their low, low, um, uh, low run or quali sim pace um, practice. Um, obviously, it's the same with every circuit. More running that happens, the track cleans up, it lays rubber down, um, and the track naturally gets faster and faster and faster. Um, and if if teams are running low fuel when the tracks at its its fastest, it can make them appear like they're, they have more pace in the car. So for me, they've, they were always sat at the, the third fastest manufacturer, um, all weekend. Um, and I think it, it's just a case of damage limitation. Really. We know that they struggle, they're struggling with drag. Um, so it was a little bit of a, a, a bogey track in that respect. Um, so yeah. The other thing to consider is, yes, we know that Red Bull are down the road. Ferrari, they threw everything at this weekend as we, we continued to hear uh, from the coverage um, throughout the weekend. It's their home race. They wanted to do well, so they had fresh engines. They probably went even more aggressive with having completely new wings. Um, and and yeah, they were they were going for it, guns and bla- or blazing guns. Um, and, and just trying to, to please the home fans because that's basically what their focus is, getting the fans happy um, at the moment after quite a disappointing season to date. Uh, so they didn't really have anything to lose. So for Mercedes to only be behind Red Bull, who we know are, are dominant right now, um, and, and Ferrari, who we know were absolutely going for it, I think third on the road is not a bad position for them to be in of, of uh, yeah when, when we look back at the, at the pace over the weekend especially when we know how how much mercedes have compromised with the car and and it's uh it's kind of uh development over the year uh, and yeah we know that they're they're hamstrung by the cost cap so yeah it's positive yeah all, all things considered i think yeah mercedes did did their best as they could but moving on to quali on Saturday, Hamilton qualified P8 in the race on Sunday and George Russell in P4. But Adam, how tight, we were discussing this off air, but how tight was the field uh, in quali? It was nuts. Like It was like a couple of tenths dividing about six drivers plus. So um, and that is how Monza qualifying is. It's, it's so crucial to be on pole in Monza unless you're driving against Max Verstappen in a Red Bull this year, because it's, well, it's, it's even more important than, than around Monaco statistically. Uh, but then you've got to think about 
getting the right slipstream. You've got to think about traffic and you've got to think about getting all the braking points right because they are so crucial to the lap time. As most of most of the lap is uh, full throttle. There's there's only ten corners which are worth calling corners and what corners they are. By the way, I love Monta, um, and as a result, there's very little input that the driver can make. So when those those inputs come, it, it really does show uh, and. Tom could probably explain better than I can. Hamilton and Russell, they had different driving styles and it really told when it, when uh, we looked at the timings with Russell qualifying fourth and Hamilton eighth. Do you want to take it away, Tom? Yeah, for, for me, I think um, Russell has is, is outperformed the car. He, he managed to pull together a mighty lap. Um, I did notice that of the build-up to qualifying that Lewis is much better in sectors one and two, and particularly the braking zones, um, but then starts to lose it towards the end of the lap. So um, this Iscari chicane and Parabolica. Uh, one thing that was interesting is that as as you feed the steering into the Parabolica, you're coming down gears. Um, Russell was coming down his fifth and taking a little bit of a, of a, a lesser speed into the into the apex. Um, and then really focusing on the exit, whereas uh, Lewis was coming in a lot hotter, holding sixth gear, and it, it appears almost bogging the engine a little bit um, in, in comparison to Russell, um, who would come out and then gain down all the way down to the start-finish line. And really, that's what all it came down to, that last corner in, in on their final laps of qualifying. But the thing is that because Lewis was so good in sectors one and two, that would that performance was sort of masked so his his slower um uh, slower sector three was sort of masked by uh his his sector one and two um but then george on his last lap has got maybe a little bit more brave maybe taking a bit more risk on the brake pedal and and taking that little bit extra which then brought him up and then passed lewis so um yeah really interesting uh comparison between the two of them there we talk about how uh the hot conditions are, are really impacting the tyres. Do you think that perhaps Lewis being stronger in the first and second sector made it more difficult to to keep things going in the final sector? Maybe the tyres had overheated? I don't know. Yeah, uh, possibly. Um, one thing that is quite interesting here is, you know, we normally talk about circuits being front or rear limited. Monza's sort of in the middle it's neither nor, and it depends on the driver and and then the setup as well. Um, and that then correlates to to how much energy you're putting into those tires and how which axle is going to heat up first and and how you bring them in. Um, but I don't think that that came into play here. I think it's just normally Lewis is quite good at saving the tire until the the final sector, um, whereas George maybe tends to struggle a little bit. Um, so I don't think that the 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 temperature had an inf- impact on on that lap time in particular, but um, maybe it's just I'd, I'm still unsure whether it's it's a setup thing or it's just something that Lewis missed and maybe he could have picked up if he if he went through George's data. Having said that, I'd, I'd, I think Lewis is pretty meticulous, so it could be something that he's chosen to to help with the race pace, maybe um, that's just then hidden. Um, but yeah. Interesting, interesting um, 
comparison between the two of them. Yeah, it's definitely interesting uh, in that quali session. Also interesting on race day on the Sundays. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. So George Russell finished P5 and Lewis Hamilton P6, which as we were talking about earlier, it's probably the best we could have hoped for. Both drivers got getting a five second penalty, which we'll speak about in just a second. But Adam, how do you think both drivers started in the race in Italy? Well, before before I say that, can I just give a shout out to the Italian national anthem followed by the flyover? It's one of the moments of the season for me every single time, right? So rousing. Um, and it's so against like F- everything F1's trying to stand for in terms of environmentally friendly uh, because I know that they ban flyovers, but the Italians don't listen to that. They just do it anyway. Always makes me laugh, but... It also, yeah, it feels like one of those, it's a guilty pleasure. That's what it is, the the start of the Italian Grand Prix. But the start, that's the way to put it. Now, Russell nearly got into third position at the start, and he he was very unfortunate that the Ferrari had so much high speed and, and Leclerc was able to defend going around Curva Grande. Um, so George couldn't make that grande move, if I quote uh, the great commentator, David Croft. Um, but yeah, he, he he kind of took advantage of the fact that Leclerc was breaking behind his teammate Sainz, who was obviously leading the Italian Grand Prix in a Ferrari. You don't want to go into the back of him. So he was... Uh, probably a little bit more careful and, and George nearly made it work. Um, and that could have changed the race a lot for him uh, rather than, and it, it could have get, given him a potential opportunity to get down the road and, and not um, get in trouble with the Alpine later on and, and everything like that. Uh, so, but, but it could have changed the, the, the whole fight up front between Verstappen and, and the Ferraris. Anyway, we're not talking about them. We're talking about Mercedes. What happened with Lewis? It was not the greatest of starts. He lost a position, went down to ninth, but that is to be expected. He was on the hard tyres, whereas most of the field, other than I think a couple of other, other drivers, 
were on medium tyres. Now, the idea here is that Hamilton lasts a bit longer, waits for everyone to go into the pits, accepts that he drops back, uh, but he can then do a nice sprint to the end, not worrying about tyres uh, and managing them, just pulling off some moves. The thing is, it's quite difficult to to make a move stick around Monza, even though it's high speed and, and it's, it produces great racing. Don't get me wrong. Uh, there is a difference between great racing and easy to overtake. And Mercedes obviously trusted Lewis to, to be able to, to make those moves and make them stick. He made most of them stick, as you say, um, and a little bit of a collision with... Oscar Piastri, uh, it's obviously even hard for a seven-time world champion to judge the two-metre width of a Formula One car at plenty of speed. I don't know if it's 100 miles an hour they, they were braking from more than that, probably, but, but yeah. Uh, so not the best of starts from Lewis, but nearly the best of starts from George Russell. Yeah, for me... Um- George drove a, a pretty good race. I mean, it wasn't perfect, um, but yeah, holding his position at the start was really good. Um, and then running 16 massively defensive laps against Perez, I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, obviously, he got a bit lucky, I think, running or cutting cutting the chicane, turn one chicane. Um, I think if if Perez didn't outbreak himself and also send himself off the track as well. Um, he he probably would have got another penalty if I'm honest, um, particularly if, if Perez was waiting to turn in, um, and and yeah, obviously couldn't do that because George has also outbraked himself. Um, but apart from that, it was an impressive drive to be honest. Um, the boxing on lap 19, I think, for the for the harder tire, um, and then just had a quiet, uh, quiet race. But uh, yeah, sorry, maybe not quite race. Um, coming out the out the pit lane, wasn't it? He ended up uh, outbreaking himself with Ocon on the outside of him, forcing them both off. That's then what he's got the the five second penalty for. Um, so yeah, I think I don't think that he he necessarily was doing that on purpose um, or trying to fight the position for Ocon. I think he's just come out on on a cold set, set of um, hard tires, uh, gone to break and locked up, and then is then sailed both of them off. But yeah, it wasn't really needed at that point of the race. Um, and then obviously he gets there in the five second penalty for that. Um, but then after that, maybe settles down a little bit and, and pumps in the laps and, um, and brings that fifth place home. Uh, Lewis, on the other hand, like Adam said, he's starting on the harder tire. Um, I just want to add into that the fact that one one advantage that you do have is that you can wait for a safety car. And in this case, that didn't happen. Um, but if it did happen, it would have helped him up the order a lot, lot quicker. Because um, then you can, yeah, obviously have, have the cheap stop under the safety car. Um, but yeah, coming home P6 is probably the best thing that, or the best result Mercedes could have hoped for, uh, considering the pace of everyone else. And you're right, that was probably the best that they could have done. Um... George's penalty, like you say, could have been avoided, but it didn't matter. He was 20 seconds ahead of Lewis by by the end of the race. I want to also talk about how good, like, yes, the Oscar Piastri move wasn't good, but 
the move that Lewis did on Alex Albon, going round the inside to outside to get the inside line for turn two, that that was like he did in 2007 to Kimi Raikkonen, rolling back those rookie years. And it's also what um, Verstappen tried to do to Carlos Sainz, but Carlos Sainz defended it really well. Um, Mercedes fans, did any of you think that uh, Verstappen could have bailed out like he did this year a couple of years ago? I think the answer I can hear is yes. Sorry, I just had to get that in there. Uh, but But yeah... I, I quite like how it's difficult to overtake it. The, the first sector at Monza is so good uh, in, in terms of drivers kind of having having battles lap by lap by lap and trying to work each other out, force each other into mistakes. I felt like a lot of people did go over the runoff area a little bit too much for my liking, but you'd rather that than them ending up on top of each other. So, yeah, you you got to take the rough with the smooth, I suppose. Just to bring it back to Lewis quickly, um, I think, again, it took him a bit of, a bit of time to get that Monza racecraft in. Um, obviously, having that collision with Piastri definitely deserved the five-second penalty. Uh, he just totally misjudged where he was. Having said that, it's easy to do, though. It's when you're picking a braking spot, you're looking to the left and the car is naturally drifting that way anyway because it's it's embedded in you to open up the corner. Um, but, yeah, he needs to appreciate that there is a car on the outside um, and, and, yes, does deserve that penalty. Um, what I did like from Lewis was how he was reading the different performances in the in the other cars. So you had the straight-line speed of the Williams and then the slower straight line speed of the of the um uh, mclarens and it was it, it was really good how he, he built the moves up so using his tire delta because he's on the mediums everyone else is on the hards he can he can come out of turn one duck out of the turbulent air get the traction and then gives him um it allows him to pull alongside and then he can make the, the move down into into three so it's four isn't it yep one two three four yep down into the next chicane. Um, one thing then, once he he dis- dispatched the the McLarens, he was on the back of a much much faster in a straight line Williams, which made that move not possible. And he said, "I've seen it before with Lewis, and and I have got a bit upset before about how he would try the same move, realize it doesn't work, but still try it." So he came up to the back of Albon did the same thing out of the exit of turn two, um, getting the drive down on Albon. But of course, the, the much superior straight line speed of the Williams allowed him to just pull out of the move. And then he was way behind for the braking zone. He then on the next lap spotted that and then got his elbows out and uh, nailed a perfect move down the inside um, judged it, judged the space perfectly. Albon had to, had to then give up the place, um, and I think that was one of the best moves of the entire weekend. If I'm honest, it was it was so precise, um, gave Albon enough room, but was firm enough to then to, to close the door into two. So, yeah, that was really impressive. Yeah, the key the key thing with that move is that he got his car ahead of Al, uh, Albon before. Albon could think about cutting him off for, for turn two. He'd already gone around the outside of him. 
And that's what Verstappen wasn't able to do with Carlos Sainz. Uh, so, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Also, fair play for Lewis to go, in, to go straight over to Oscar, um, shake his hand and apologise for for the, the move straight after the race. So, yeah, that was good of him there, showing his sporting side. With everything that happened this weekend, Adam, do you think that was all part of Hamilton's strategy for, for this race weekend uh, at Monza? I think he probably wouldn't have gone for the hard tyres Initially, if if he'd have had a better starting position, he'd have been looking to be a bit more aggressive like those ahead of him ended up doing on the medium tyres. That was the optimal strategy. Um, but we've seen Lewis do it before where, where he's been a few positions down and he's, he's tried that and, and been quite unlucky, actually, uh, I, I think, to the Netherlands uh, just the weekend before where it rained on the first lap and, and that wrote off Hamilton's chances. Uh, so I'm, I'm not sure it was L plan uh, all weekend to, to do just that, but maybe that is always a card that Hamilton and Mercedes can play because they know he is so good at managing those tyres um, and, and coming back and, and having nice, clean racecraft and, and decisive moves uh, most of the time. So it's. I wouldn't say it was a plan as much as it was the ace that they have up their sleeve because they've got a good driver in Lewis. I, I'm not sure as many people could have turned a result into sixth place, which was the best he could have got uh, that weekend. Uh, yeah, I, I could have seen a lot of people making a mistake, having a crash or, or just getting stuck in traffic and... and uh, bogged down by it all so yeah it's it, I think it was more Lewis giving them that option for, for me I think that that strategy for Lewis really allowed him to to get the 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 sixth place if I'm honest I don't th- I think he would have really struggled starting on the mediums um mainly because the 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 um the Mercedes was just too slow in a straight line um, to, to make any decent moves on the brakes. So what they had to do was get this tired delta that allowed them to to launch out of the slow speed quicker um, and then negate the fact that, that they have more drag. Um, and what will happen is that um, that extra little boost that they have on the exit then gives them a bit more straight line speed just to get onto the back of other cars and then get the toe. Um, and that's I think that's what's allowed Lewis to then make, make up the positions or, or make, make up positions on track, should I say, um, rather than um, boxing for the undercut or, or things like that. So I think that's nailed, that nailed, they nailed that for Lewis. You're right there. And I, I think adding on to that, his overtake on Alonso after he came out of the pits, that was crucial uh, because we know how tricky it is to get past Fernando Alonso, who is the sort of person uh, I might have made this, this comparison before because I, I always think about it. It's the sort of person that would go out on a run along along the, the Thames in London and if he sees a cyclist behind him, see how many metres he can block the cyclist for. That's the sort of bloke Fernando Alonso is. And I quite like it. It's, it's the inner... What's the polite word? Competitive racing? Uh, 
that might be a politer way of putting it. But yes, uh, I wanted to say other words. But yeah, the inner kind of yeah uh, that we all we all kind of wish we sometimes could do. But Alonso does it, and it's all right because it's Fernando Alonso. So the fact he got past Fernando so quickly was important. But also, he was really good at not sprinting right onto the back of of the McLarens in, at Alpine because they were already fighting amongst themselves. So he could let those tyres settle, settle in and they came to him almost by, by being slower through their battle and, and that allowed them to slip into his clutches and he delivered. I just wanted to bring up something Toto Wolff said after the race when speaking about Max's 10-win race record. Tom, what do you think of this? Because it was blown up all over social media. He said, quote unquote, for Wikipedia, nobody reads it anyway. Speaking about that, that 10 race win. Do you think, do you think that, do you think he's rattled? Do you think he's sort of playing more than he cares to admit? Uh, Of course he does. Um, I think he, he wants those records, of course. And I I think he probably feels a bit bitter about it, to be honest. Um, is is it's like anything these all of these people are fiercely competitive and if if your team hasn't got that record you're going to be upset about it and i think he's probably just shrugging it off as i'm not bothered but in actual fact yeah he he, he is he is thinking that maybe uh i wish my team was was that um but we'll see maybe one day yeah i i think you're right um uh, he <laughs> He'd much prefer to be talking about it being him, and I'm sure it would be more than Wikipedia if it was Mercedes and uh, Lewis or George doing it. Um, I think that that was an interesting thing, actually. Um, I don't know if it, it was a, the plan by Mercedes to to give Red Bull and Ferrari as little oxygen as possible this weekend. Uh, this this weekend, we all knew going in was going to be about Ferrari and about Max getting the 10 in a row and setting that record. But Mercedes had comments like Toto's. They had comments like Hamilton that we'll discuss shortly about um, Verstappen's teammates not being as as competitive as his. And, and then, of course, you've got the driver contracts being announced with the extensions, both of them. Of course, organically, that that might well have happened uh, with the contract being signed this week, from what I understood, even though it was agreed before Lewis only signed it this week. But it is interesting how all these things kind of took away the the media coverage and and um, interest from these other big stories that, that you would have gone into the weekend expecting to talk about. It's just a shame that they had relatively scruffy races, but it being Mercedes and then being quite good at, at making the best out of a bad situation, they still maximise their results. So I think they'll leave the weekend bitter, but fairly happy, even though Toto said you don't really want to be celebrating a fifth or sixth position. Um, and, and that's that's the thing that will be annoying him the most, not necessarily Red Bull and Verstappen doing so well, but the fact that Mercedes aren't able to challenge and stop this run. That, that will be the thing that's eating away at Toto the most. Um, and yeah, he's, he's a winner. He's, <laughs> that's what he does. And, and 
when he's not winning, this is how he is. That's how most people are in, in, in this competitive industry. And, and that's, that's a good thing. Like Christian Horner loves it, love to have a, a good sniper, at whoever was at the top. Um, and, and I'm sure in the future, if Christian Horner's not winning, that's what he'll do again. It's, it's part of Formula One. And we love the politics. We love the drama. And that's what it is. It's a soap opera, isn't it? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Exactly, exactly. yeah. That's, uh, that's why we watch it. You mentioned that the contract uh, extension there, Adam. Do you think if Abu Dhabi 2021 hadn't happened... And Lewis Hamilton was in possession of an eighth world title. Do you think he would have retired by now? Do you think he's hunting? Do you think he wants that eighth world title to say, hands down, I am the best F1 driver ever? I think it's without question that he wants that eighth title. It it means even more than it did before. And that meant a hell of a lot because it, it would have been a statement championship to say the least. Um, whether he signed the contract because he needs the eighth, yes, I think so. Would he have retired after Abu Dhabi 2021 if he'd won? I know Martin Brundle said that some people in the paddock believe that. It's very easy to say that in hindsight, I think Lewis would have continued to be hungry um, and and... It probably would have been a shock to the system, but less of a, a horrible shock because he, he'd already got that eighth title. So maybe he would have seen it as a, a long-term project to, to get Mercedes back to the front and, and, and maybe been in less of a rush about it. Um, but yeah, I, I think he will want to see drastic improvements in Mercedes' car next year. We know he was talking about the fact that they weren't listening to him when they designed this year's car, I suspect, because they they felt they were going in the right direction um, through George's win, which was the last win that wasn't a Rebels. Um, so, so, yeah, I think next year is crucial, and he would have been making Toto fully aware of that, uh, which is why... Toto doesn't want to be losing again at this point next year. And sticking on Hamilton, he's had some interesting comments in an interview that I saw a few days ago, Tom, where he said Max's teammates haven't been as good as his teammates. What, what do you think of those comments there, Tom? It's a valid point. I think he may, it may, people may take it in the wrong way. Um, and, and, and think he's being cocky about this situation. Um, I, I don't know how I feel really. What part of me wants him to keep that inside and, and, you know, stop, stop that leaking out into the media. But then uh, the other half of me is like, yes, okay. 
you need to be more vocal about about this um, and and send those words to to Verstappen um, and, and try and get inside his head. Um, so yeah, neither neither there or the other. Um, I think I actually I think I'm leaning towards the fact that um, you should keep those inside for now. I think um, it was a bit almost hot headed, um, showing his frustration maybe a little bit. Um, so yeah, for me, I think I would have preferred him to to keep quiet about that. Yeah, it's it's unlike Lewis because he usually talks about doing his talking on the track, um, but. Like you say, Tom, he's frustrated now. Who, who, like of of Hamilton and Verstappen's teammates, who would you say are the top five? I think we've got to agree Alonso's the best of of the lot. Then I'm thinking it's probably going to be a Rosberg and and Button. What order you put those in depends on yourself. I I know a lot of people would put Button ahead of Rosberg, but I think Rosberg. In terms of a challenging teammate, we know how mentally challenging he was. So I would probably put him um, in terms of Hamilton being able to overcome that above beating Button. Um, and then four and five, it's difficult because you you could quite easily put Daniel Ricciardo there. Still, <laughs> it depends whether he's in his prime or not. And then. I'd probably only just put Bottas above. Oh, and then there's George Russell. He's maybe an unknown quality, quantity at this point. Uh, I don't know what you think, but I think Bottas is ahead of Perez. And that's simply because Bottas had better qualifying pace. Perez maybe had better race pace, but he's, he's so far behind that he's not able to, to do much with it, whereas Bottas could win occasionally from pole position um and and the thing about teammates is what well, well it's maybe unfair for hamilton to make these comparisons because no one can ever say you're wrong because no one's ever had the same teammates these the teammates that you have make you the driver that you are so hamilton having been with alonso from the start made him the beast that he is in terms of being able to cope with the pressure from day one. And the fact that he was able to overcome that was, was impeccable. And I think Rosberg was the next kind of big uh, lesson learned for Lewis uh, in terms of growing from a young man to uh, probably the, the, the legend that we, we all know. And, and perhaps this, this kind of, negative experience that he had in Abu Dhabi followed by the challenges of the poor car and a young up-and-coming teammate in George Russell is Lewis Hamilton's third challenge in Formula One and, and in life they say that you have three peaks maybe this is Hamilton's third peak can he climb it we'll find out in the next two years but I think it's exciting yeah I think you you've nailed it there Adam um, particularly what you're saying about uh, about how you are your teammate effectively um i've i've noticed with with george he's really really pushing lewis and i think this has woken him up if i'm honest um and i'd even i'd even rate russell up there with uh, alonso to be honest um yeah he's not proven but 
the way he drives Lewis is so impressive. Um, maybe not so much at the moment, but you know you can see his his performance is coming back. Um, and I think the same situation is going to start happening with Verstappen now, with a slightly lesser teammate. He's going to he, he might become a bit laid back a little bit um, and and not start to not perform at his his absolute peak, which is bad news as soon as other teams start getting the performance in. So, yeah, it's, it is, you, you are made by your teammate. I love that. It's, um, it, it's so true because it is the identical car and it's the car that you're effectively racing the hardest and the one that you want to be ahead of no matter what. Yeah, exactly. And I think like, like, like we said, the, the fact that he is not necessarily in a winning car, but he is in a car up against George Russell is perhaps allowing him to train in the shadows and become even stronger. God, the grid must fear that um, for, for when he, he comes back into title contention, hopefully. Um, and, and perhaps that will catch Verstappen on the back foot as comfortable and serene as he might look now. I'm going to have to be the bad guy here and end this podcast. Tom, Adam, as always. Thank you so much for joining me here on the Silver Arrows podcast. Yeah, thank you, Balf. Pleasure as always. And that's all we have time for this week. A massive thank you to Tom and Adam for joining us. Their social media handles are in the show notes. And thanks to you for listening. Do remember to follow us on Twitter at MercF1Pod and hit that follow button in your podcast app. If you're enjoying these episodes and feeling extra kind, drop us a review and share this episode with anybody who you think may enjoy it. We'll see you soon. 